Ladies and gentlemen, boys and girls, children 18 plus, you are tuned in to the Loan Officer Podcast with me, Dustin Owen, and my very special guest, all the way from Michigan, here on remote. Yes. So we are not in the studio uh, office. We are on location at the Omni Champions Gate in Davenport, Florida, just south of Orlando. I did not know we were at, in Davenport. We are in Davenport <laughs> at the Lenders One Conference, CMB, COO, Brian View with Finlocker. Thanks Brian, for having me, man. Thank you. Thank you. We've been trying to do this for like nine months. Yeah, you wouldn't let me do it remote. What's I don't do that? it remote. No, I have very high standards. <laughs> yes, this audience has very high standards. And it's about sound quality. Okay. True story. I am a podcast connoisseur, right? I'm a huge Rogan person, yeah, yeah, yeah. right? I've, I'll, I'll tune into podcasts about Dolly Parton. I'm actually listening to one right now. I like to watch him. I like to see what Dave Savage does with Mortgage Coach. And he does a fantastic job. And he's usually on Facebook doing Facebook Live. Yeah. But I remember tuning into even Rogan, right? He, he sets the bar. Yeah. And when Rogan would have someone calling in versus in studio, I couldn't pay attention the same way. So I just decided, regardless of audience size, whether we were 500, 5,000, or 50,000, I really wanted to be adamant that if we were going to do a podcast, we're going to do it this way. Give so, me credit. Yeah. So we had to wait for a time for you to be in Orlando. You hit me up about six, six weeks ago. You're like, hey, Lenders One's going to be in Orlando. And then I pulled it up on the map. I'm like, well, you're not technically in Orlando, Brian. You're in Davenport. <laughs> but I will drive the 40 minutes. Ooh. That it took us to get here. Actually, it only took us like 25 minutes. Right. Thank God we didn't have the stereotypical I-4 Orlando traffic to get down here. Because I want to pick your brain. Obviously, you're a CMB. Yep. Right? People who tune in, they understand that I went through the same journey just two years ago. You did yours like 15 years ago? 16? 2005 is when wow. I finished it. Started yep. it in 03. Okay. Yep. Yep. Well, I started mine in 18. I finished it in 2020. Yep. I did the whole AMP first, and then I went on to the CMB. Right. So it wasn't that I was like procrastinating. It just took me that long to... Think, we didn't have AMP back in 05, I don't it, think. You know what? It allowed me to do school of mortgage banking one, two, and three. It knocked off my education credits that I needed in order to, right. to, to submit my application. Um, but you're a fellow CMB. You're a fellow mortgage banker, but you don't work loans anymore. I don't. You don't... So here's what I want to talk about. I want to talk about Finlocker. I want to talk about the company that, 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 that you are on the executive team, what Finlocker does. More importantly, I want to pick your brain because you're a tech guy. You're crazy. I don't yeah, think right? I am. <laughs> yeah. yeah, when you went to Michigan State back all those years ago, tech was not no. in the forefront of your mind, right? Not at all. Yeah. Was it on whether or not Nick Saban's going to stay as that your head it. coach? That was my that was my main worry in life. Was can is Saban? Imagine if Saint Nick. Yeah. Imagine <laughs> if Saban stayed. Oh my god. At Michigan yeah. State. Yeah. Yeah. You, it would put your football program would put your basketball program in shame. Yeah. Unfortunately, or fortunately, if you're a Bama fan, he ended up finding his way to right. Tuscaloosa, Alabama, and well, now all the rest is history. Yeah. No, but when you were at Michigan State, you you weren't considering a career in technology, let alone financial technology. I wasn't even considering a career in mortgage, honestly. <laughs> well, let's, let's talk about that. So how did you find your way in the mortgage industry? What, what drug you in? So uh, my father-in-law, and he's not in, he was not in the business either. Okay. So my father-in-law was an entrepreneur, owned a car dealership. And so did you ever hang out with Kid Rock's dad? I don't think so. Because Kid Rock's dad also owned no car dealerships in Detroit. I did not yep. know that. All right, I digress. I apologize. So my father-in-law had a couple dealerships in Detroit. Entrepreneur, self-employed, which means his kids were on his self-employed insurance. Okay. We got married. My wife and I got married. And we had this conversation about two weeks after the wedding. We got back from the honeymoon. And 
I, I was working for a builder at the time, cash, money, under the table, just graduated college. And uh, he's like, so we, we need to do something here. I'm like, oh, yeah, what do you want to do? He's like, you need to get Amy on your benefits. I'm like, what are, what are benefits? I don't even know what benefits are. So he taught me a quick lesson on what benefits are and insurance and, and how I had about 30 days to, to get a job that had benefits so that he could effectively take one off of his plan. So okay. that was my impetus to go find a job, a real job. And I did a, you know, the old school way. There was no LinkedIn. So I looked at a map and said, okay, 20 mile radius from where we're going to live. Let's just go drive around and paste resumes, hand out resumes. And I got a call back from this company called Fireman's Fund Insurance. Okay. I've heard of them. Yeah. Yeah. They used to advertise nationally. That's right. Okay. So, and I, and I'd driven by their office, they had a big old red helmet on the building. I'm like, oh, it'd be a cool place to work. So I, I go in there, drop off the resume. I get a call back two days later, go in and do an interview. No insurance. It's a mortgage company. I'm like, what's a mortgage? I didn't know there was a, a T in mortgage yeah. or G, I guess it is. Whatever. It's a T. So it's, a T, a T, and a G. it's two G's and one T. <laughs> yes. And people who do not know this industry will screw that up. Oh yeah. So I get the call back, go in for a second interview. And during the interview, they ask if I can start immediately. I'm like, yeah, sure. I can come back Monday. They're like, no, this afternoon, can you start? And so I got hired into the mortgage business and my first job, they handed me a stack of papers, little messages, and you had a name, first name, last name, a phone number, and a number with a percentage on it. And my job was to sort them highest to lowest based on that percentage, and then call, start calling and say, if I could get you 10 and a half, do you want to refinance? That was my script. That's ten and a half thousand dollars out cash out refi, right? But just ten and a half percent. Oh, yeah. wow! And that, wow! Those were streamlines. Back and then. to think that loan officers are complaining about you know whether or not they're going to offer three and a quarter or two and three quarters. You were okay. Ten, yeah, ten and a half. Ten and a half. In today's parlance, it would it'd be paying back like you know three hundred basis yeah. points. So, so so no formal training. No. Here's a stack of basically contacts. Yeah. This sort was, them from highest rate to lowest. This was rate. our CRM. Yes. <laughs> And dollar for dollars. Yeah. So if they said yes, I put it over here and then the loan officer would come in and grab it and sell the deal. And if I said no, I threw it in the trash and that was the end of that lead. Wow. So that was it. Looking back on that time frame, like what is it that you're most grateful for on based on that experience? Because how long did you stay with Fireman's? Uh, So I started in November of 91 and Fireman's became Source One Mortgage, which was then sold to Citibank in 1999. And I was all the way through the sale. I was an executive by the time we sold the company and then was part of city for another five years following. So that was first job in. And I was, I would have been a lifer if we didn't sell the company, frankly, probably. Wow. Yeah. So back in the early days, when you look back now, you know, knowing where, where you are with Finlocker, obviously you started at the bottom. Yep. Yep. Right. I think it's Drake you news know, sings about started from the bottom. Now I'm here. Right. Right. You started there dialing. Yep. Um, those are early days. What, what were some of the, the, the greatest lessons you learned or experiences that you were able to encounter that helped you become an executive? And then what type of, of executive were you? Yeah, so I'm, I'll, curi- I, I'm, I'm legitimately curious. Yeah. Ultimately, for anyone who's tuned in, by the way, where I'm going to try to go with Brian's, I want to pick Brian's brain about the future of the mortgage industry as it pertains to technology. How much has he seen technology change the current landscape? Yeah. And how much greater is it going to change have we seen all the changes or are we just now beginning yeah. to touch on the tip of the iceberg? And if so, what does that look like? But before I do, I'm curious. I want to know you, Brian, better, right but I think it also helps when you speak. You're going to speak from a place that a lot of our listeners are going to understand because I want them to understand that you're not a tech guy first. Right. You're a mortgage guy first. Like I'm starting like 22 years old 
You know what it's yeah. like to pick up the phone and, and smile and dial. Um, but at the same time, one of the underlying themes we have here on the podcast is everything you should have learned in school but didn't because it wasn't taught. Yeah. So if I have someone of your caliber and your experience, I would love nothing more to pick your brain because there's going to be a nugget or two that we can pull out of there and give to the audience as takeaways. Perfect. So I, I am going it. somewhere with all of this, I promise. This is cool. Everyone who's tuned in, whether you're tuned in on YouTube, at the Lone Officer Podcast, Spotify, Apple, or anywhere where you find podcasts, we are the Lone Officer Podcast. We're also on every social media platform. That's TikTok, that's Instagram, that's Facebook, that's even LinkedIn. We that's have our own LinkedIn you. page. I found you on LinkedIn. Yes, we connected on LinkedIn, at the Lone Officer Podcast. I'm Dustin Owen on LinkedIn. He's Brian View, but do not try to spell it like, you know, you view a scenery. View is spelled. V-I-E-A-U-X. Could we throw a couple more vowels in there we just could. in case? There's no Y. Nope, we don't uh, have a Y. We don't have a Y, but every other vowel, we I do believe. Oh, you need to we know. We need to know. All right. <laughs> so you're, we're missing yo. Yo. It's Brian View without the yo. That's right. All right. Perfect. Um, and he's on LinkedIn because that's how Brian and I originally connected um, in order to get him here. And it was probably while I was going through my CMB journey yeah. myself is actually how it all transpired. Whew. All yeah. right. I got all of that taken care of. John Coleman now will not berate me as we drive <laughs> back to the office. I got the business side taken care of. People know how to get a hold of you. They know they need to check out Finlocker. We're going to talk about yep. Finlocker a lot because Finlocker is on the forefront of technology. But before we do, back to my original question, yeah, yeah. when you go back those 30 some years ago, what are some things that you're grateful that you got to experience and got to learn early on in your career? So I'll, I'll, I'll keep it short so we can get into the, yes. the, the meat. Cause I think the, the, the thing that I still lean on today, you know, almost 30 years later is relationships matter. And, and, and it, and it started, you know, I was 23 years old, started in the business and the, the rates were kind of falling from a 15% down into the, into the tens and then eventually into the single digits. And so, very early on when I, when I joined that company, there was 10 of us, small little team. And in six months time, there was 60 of us. And so, you know, some of us who were lucky to be there early became managers because we were there longer and we just knew where stuff was. Yeah. Manager and, by yeah, title. Exactly. Yes. Yeah. So, uh, I had to quickly learn at, you know, 24 years old, how to not only manage my own day myself, but other people. Wow. And so okay. I found, I, I quickly found examples around the company of, of, you know, people who I looked up to as managers, not because they were, you know, the, the, the traditional, you know, business school managers, but people who treated people fair mm -hmm. and, and engaged people and, and took an interest in their development. And so I tried to be that kind of a young manager and build relationships with the team and, and just be there and coach and, and mentor. And sometimes you have to have the the difficult decisions that's part of you know being in that space but it, it served me well as a young professional that to have mentors and people i could look to as an example and then people that i could go to and, and actually bounce ideas off of and and, and get feedback from so i know. love that i mean it's it's whether it's 1991 2001 2011 2021 right it's people matter people matter it's people over profits it's relationships i mean i have a 13 year old and a 17 year old and that's the one thing I try to stress to them. Even right. my 17-year-old who is mentally, he's very engineer-tracked. Yep. And I'm like, hey, but the most successful engineers, not only do they know the science and the math, but they also know how to work with other people, how to lead other people, how to train and teach other people. Those that can, that, that can do the technical but also present, I tell him his name is Jackson. Jackson, they make three times yeah. as much. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So if you're money motivated but you're tracked there, and you're telling me, yeah, that's kind of the same thing that I learned early on yeah. in my career back in the early 90s was, hey, I had to focus on the people 
first. And then obviously, if you didn't know what to do, you found people to emulate. You found people to, hey, I want to follow in your footsteps. Right. Okay, that's fantastic advice. Yeah. Now let's fast forward. Here we are. To 2021. Yeah, crazy. Right? Like, you're you're with Finlocker. How'd you get to Finlocker? Because you've you've been with Finlocker for a little over two years. A little over two years yeah. now. Yep. You were a Flagstar Bank for seven years prior to that, I believe. Yeah, you're right. Um, how'd you get to Finlocker? What does Finlocker do? And then speak to anyone who's in this industry and you're planning on being in the mortgage industry for another five plus years. Right. Look, if you made a pile of money last year. And you're at a point in your life where you're looking at the calendar and you're looking at your watch and you're like, mm, I have two, maybe three years. Guess what? The show's not for you. Tune yeah. off, tune out. Keep doing show, what you're doing. Keep you're, on you're doing good. what you're doing. You're good. Okay. <laughs> but if you're looking at your timeline and your career path and you have five plus years that you need to continue to make a living in a career that you love, this episode is for you. And the meat and potatoes that we're going to jump into, this is what you want to listen to. So back on my original question, how'd you end up? at Finlocker, what does Finlocker do? And then more importantly, on a broad scope, what's the future of our industry as it pertains to technology? Got it, so how did I get here? Uh, you mentioned it, seven years at Flagstar. Uh, two of the three co-founders of Finlocker are uh, two good friends of mine. We, we, we met back in 1999 when they founded a little business called Lenders One. Oh, wow, okay. <laughs> We're at the Lenders We're One conference. We're at the Lenders One conference, Man, figure. That, that's it very coincidental, kind of okay. So I've known these guys, uh, you know, from their early days, we're the, we're the same age. We kind of grew up in the business together, so to speak. And they sold their business to AltaSource. Okay. Finished kind of their requirements, if you will, with AltaSource and uh, did very well when they sold the company. And they created a tech fund, a fund in St. Louis, a tech fund. And out of that tech fund, uh, uh, several companies kind of emerged. One of them was this thing called Finlocker. Okay. About, about seven years ago. And what they were doing at the time, which is not what we do today, you and I were kind of talking about that earlier. What they did at the time is they were trying to help streamline the middle of the, the loan manufacturing process. So for our audience, you think of the, 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 think of the process of gathering bank statements today yes. from consumers. You do it typically by getting, you get your two months bank statements and then you get ticked off when you look at the, the, the second set and there's no blank page seven yeah. of, of seven. I said all pages. <laughs> what part of all do you not yeah. understand? Yes. And I love the whole meme uh, yeah. uh, deal that's created around that. It's pretty cool. So they were seeking to kind of, you know, automate that, that process by digitizing or using transactional data, direct source transactional data from a bank account in lieu of bank statements. So this was like D1C before D1C. This is exactly that. Okay. And so probably a little early. Probably yep. a little too soon, mm -hmm. but a great concept. And the, uh, the, 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 the process that they went through for a consumer to link that bank account, in a sense, created this financial locker. That's okay. the term FinLocker. locker, yes. So this, this box was created, and in that box was one financial account, a bank account. And while the industry wasn't ready to embrace this, and consumers probably still weren't ready to embrace this seven years ago, of the users that used the product, there was feedback like this would be cool because now this this locker kind of existed for the consumer and they could see stuff that was happening in it. Like transactional history, yeah. savings growing, income growing, exactly. debts going down. So consumer feedback led to, it'd be cool if I could, in addition to seeing that, if I could maybe track my credit and then it was the next thing and the next thing and the next thing. And so the company pivoted a couple times and, and the, the first pivot went from this, this you know, single point transaction uh, function that they were solving for to more of a consumer facing uh, app. Yeah, right? so you went from almost B to B to B to C. 
I mean, in, in, in a way, in but, a way. but by, by way of, yeah. you're not going to go to the, the consumer directly. You need to go to where consumers go to apply exactly for mortgages. Right. Yeah. But your interface was going to be something consumers would want to interact with, yep. where the original thought was, no, this is going to be something that's going to help mortgage companies process loans quicker, more efficient, and hopefully more economical. That's right. And that, okay. you nailed it. That was the, the thesis initially. Which, I mean, I think most financial technology companies, that's what they're trying to solve for. Exactly. How do we take a cumbersome process that is lengthy and expensive? Yep. And how do we cut a week off? And how do we cut $600 out so that lenders can either stay afloat and stay profitable? Yep. Or hopefully lenders can stay afloat, stay profitable, but also pass some of that savings along to the consumer in ways yes. of cheaper transaction costs or cheaper interest rates. That's exactly right. Okay. Yep. So... I, I was interested from day one because my friends were part yep. of the founding group. And so I, you know, brought them in a couple of times. We looked at it, the, the product. It just didn't work for Flagstar at the time. When I, Which, and kudos to Flagstar, by the way, because Flagstar does have, for any techie people out there, they have a technology incubator. Yes. Like you and I were talking offline, like a friend of mine, Brian Young, who I've had on the show, started this company, Home Lending Pal, and he's a part of that same yep. te uh, a tech incubator yep. for people who are trying to come in and add value to the mortgage space. Um, Finlocker did or did not do the incubator we, with Flagstar? We did not. You did not, okay. Yeah, we were, we were probably just a little bit too mature, if you yep. will, although there, we can debate that. But, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> but we were, yeah, we were not part of that, although yeah. uh, I still, you know, leaned on them for different, you know, help along the way. But your buddies eventually came to you and said, hey, Brian, we know you love Flagstar. We, we, we know you love your job, but we're at a point now we need a leader. Yeah, we was, need someone was, like you on board. It was almost the, the other way around. Okay. <laughs> um, you know, I, uh, I'm at this point in my life. I'm 53. My kids, you know, are pretty much graduated college and they're doing their things. And and I'm like, I'm at this point in my life where if I'm going to ever make a bet of myself, I need to do it now. Yeah. And so now the now the question is, am I going to make a bet solely on myself and go start something, or is there something out there that's interesting that I can be a part of that I can help grow and improve on? And and, and it was Finlocker that that. Even from day one, I knew there was something there. I just didn't quite see it. And then as, the, as their roadmap started to crystallize, in my mind, it came clear that this this is the platform I want to be part of. So I invested in the company before I joined it. Okay. Uh, and then uh, and then left. You know, some would say the the most lucrative twenty four months of mortgage origination uh, history. Which so my wife you, reminds me of that. <laughs> when, when you were at Flagstar, so you were still tied to origination. So you got yeah. in as as an originator in 91 and although you elevated yourself into executive management positions yeah. you still were tied to, to production. I ran, yeah I ran a big production business for, okay. for, yeah, for yep. Flagstar. Direct to consumer or were you doing? Third party. Third party yeah. okay. Which was super cool because I got to see every type of lender and organization and model out there and and, and I also got to think about it and I, and I lean on this all the time in my current role I got to think about how, how do all these different companies use technology because there's no cookie cutter approach. Everyone's doing it a little bit differently, which is cool. Yeah, and, and for those that don't know, TPO or third party, the way that I would explain it, and, and please come back behind me and, and, and cor correct me where I'm wrong, because I very often uh, find myself on the, the wrong side of being right. <laughs> and um, I would say TPO would be, is it wholesale? It is wholesale. Yep, so so it's a, I'm a mortgage broker. I own o Owen Orlando Financial. It's a mortgage brokerage. I need a place to send my clients loans. Yep. I go and I apply and I get signed up with Flagstar, at which point I take John Coleman's loan application, I collect his docs, and I submit them yep. to Flagstar. And that's called a TPO or a third party originator because I'm the third party. 
the owner and the broker of Owen Orlando yeah. Financial, and but Flagstar is going to be offering the funding. That's right. TPO could also be if I had some kind of a uh, well, correspondent channel, Absolutely. right? So I'm Waterstone Mortgage. I'm go. much bigger than Orlando Owen Financial. Yeah. But, and Flagstar is going to say, hey, Dustin, you and Waterstone, you could totally cool. You can underwrite, you can fund, and then you'll just sell us the loans afterwards. That's right. Right? So that would also be an example of what TPO would be. That's right. All right, cool. That's for our audience, for people who are tuning, tuning in who maybe just don't know that, that terminology the way that you and I do with our fancy C and B yeah. titles, you know? With pledge pins. With our pledge pins. <laughs> yeah, you're wearing yours today. I lost my original. True story, I reached out to Amber Lawrence over at the Mortgage Bankers Association in DC. Shout out to Amber. Right and Amber told me I have to wait until MBA National in San Diego in October and she'll bring me five new ones. I used to uh, go to every conference I'd go to, I, I would go into the MBA booth and like the it, little mint jar, I'd grab a handful of my pins, put them because I lose them all the time. Yes, well, yeah, yeah. I, I'm, I'm at a point now, I'm gonna put a pin on every jacket yeah. I own and that way I don't have to worry about yeah. it. Except for when I take it the dry cleaner then I'm gonna end up losing it. But hey, <laughs> that's, that's a whole other story. Okay, so let's talk about this. Yeah. Let's talk about so you're you're now you're all in. I mean all right, in. you're you're all in. You walked away from two of the greatest years. Yep. You invested a chunk of change into the end of this company, then you joined them. Yeah. Right. Do you want to double you, down, triple yeah, down? Yeah, exactly. <laughs> you want to talk about having a vested interest. Right. What do you see with your decades of experience on the origination side? Yeah. You willingly made this change. What is technology doing right now in our space? But more importantly, what's it going to do three, five, seven, 12 years down the line? Yeah. So what I saw and what I what I saw in my role at Flagstar visiting uh, lenders across the country, small, large, everywhere in, in the middle. Yep. The, the consistent common theme was they're all every one of them has a desire to, to get to the customer earlier. Whatever define earlier. Yes. However you want to define first. It. Could it's be, a race. Could it's, be one minute before a transaction or it could be a one year before a transaction. Yep. But they want to get there earlier. Yep. And very few are really doing it. Most would, most still thought, most originators, and, th and this would be something that I'd share with your audience who, again, is thinking of this career 10 years out, do not think of this as a transactional business. This is a relationship business at its core. I mean, I talked about yes. that right from the beginning. Yes. That was my most important leadership uh, attribute that I learned is relationship. It's the same in, in, more, in the mortgage origination business. And so if you, if you can get out of the transaction mindset, which means, the relationship with my borrower starts at a loan application. No, if, if that's where your relationship starts, you're too late. You are going to get beat. Rocket's gonna beat you, Better's gonna beat you, Loan Depot's gonna beat you, and there's a bunch of other companies that are really good at, at mass at B, marketing. Yes, B2C, a business to consumer. They're spending their hundreds of millions of dollars a year yeah. on TV ads. That's right. You, the local loan officer, and more importantly, your independent mortgage bank that you work for, that's not and probably isn't going to be your business no. model, but it is a race to get to the consumer first. I'd even say and go one step further, you're racing the realtors. Yes. You're, there used to be a time back in our industry when, when, when you and I were hardcore originating. I could rely on a local realtor knowing that I was damn good at what I did yep. and that their client must talk to me. And the client didn't know where yeah. to go. So they would ask the realtor. That's right. Anymore, by the time the realtor gets to that person, they've already seen or talked to multiple lenders. That's right. At which point, even if the realtor does refer me, because I am damn good at what I do, they're like, yeah, but, yeah, yeah but I, I want to call these two or three other people too, because they've been getting their message out to me first. That's right. Okay. And first so, matters, by the way. And, and first matters. So, so you're already getting ready to go down this, this path of explaining to us 
we got to get there first. We got to get there yeah. earlier. And what I like to say, and people get this, is if, if you're focused on the point of sale, you're going to lose. You need to be focused on the point of thought. Ooh, you need to I get like up that. the funnel at the point of thought. And okay. so how do you do that? I don't know. Yeah. We're all figuring it out, right? Uh, yeah. So our, our product at Finlock, not that we're cracked the code on this, but we, our, our product's geared for up the funnel engagement with consumers. And what does that mean? So I'll talk, I'll talk about it in the context of a first time home buyer. Okay. First time home buyers don't just wake up on a Saturday and say, I'm going to go buy a house and I'm mortgage ready. They go through a process and that process involves emotional preparation, financial preparation, and more emotional preparation to get there, right? It takes time. And so if, if, if you can figure out as a originator, who better be a good marketer, by the way, originations yes. is like a, a part of the task, but you need to be a better marketer is it, it, than this an originator. Is, this is one of the few industries where you have to be the lead and most badass technician. Oh, and then, oh, by the way, take that hat off and put on another hat called self-promoter. Yes. Uh, local market expert. Yep. And you have to go out there and network like crazy in order to bring in the business. Now, those that are able to do both of those at a very high level. Well, those are the ones that had not one, but two commas on their W2 last yeah, yeah, year. Exactly. You know, it's like how many other careers can you roll out of bed with a high school diploma and with proper mentorship, proper leadership and a few years experience, yep. throw up a W2 that has seven figures. That's on right. It, you know? Yeah. Okay. And there's plenty of the, there's plenty of those guys running around our business, which yeah. is awesome. Yeah, yeah, lots. I mean, but I, they're I, very yeah. good marketers. Yes, every one of them. Yep. So so go on, talk more about that. So, how do, you know marketing? And I'm we're not a marketing company. There's great firms out there and agencies that can help with marketing. But at the end of the day, you need tools to market to, and you need calls to action to engage people, right? And so in that first time homebuyer space, our product again geared really strongly for that segment. We offer lenders, originators of all sizes, frankly, a tool that they can white label, put their logo on. It could be in your tech stack. That's another great term yes. we like to throw around. It's fun to say. Tech stack, SaaS, <laughs> circle back, yeah, right? Yeah. Those are all- uh, All cool, uh, cool, yes. cool guy words. Um, so in our app, you can you can truly give consumers that you're engaging with months before they're, they're thinking about buying a home with tools that are ultimately gonna help them prepare. So we, we give them tools to, access their credit, monitor their credit, but not only do that, but actually simulate changes to their credit score, right? So, boy, what would it look like if I paid down this credit card by two grand or I paid off this auto loan? What would that do to my score? Credit score is yeah. important, we know that. The underlying credit accounts are equally important. So we give you a, a compass as well in there that can say, okay, my goal is to get to a 660 by next June. And then our app would tell you, these are the things you need to be working on as it relates to your credit to get to a 660, right? So. Couple simulator type tools that are very engaging. Again, up the funnel. Is this free to the consumer? So our model is B to B to C. Yeah. So it's it's free to the consumer and it's basically sponsored by a financial institution, a mortgage company, a mortgage broker, a loan officer, etc. Yeah. I mean, this uh, I love this because this is leaning into what everything I've loved about this industry, which is look, we're advisors. Yes. I'm not a loan monkey. I don't want to just pull your credit, input some numbers, and give you a rate quote. Yeah. Right, like, no, 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 I wanna advise you and I wanna start the minute you think right. you wanna buy a house. Exactly. But I can't do that in today's day and age and compete against the Rockets and the Betters and the Loan Depots unless I have some of the technology or access yep. to the technology. Right, and that's what you were sharing with me off camera, Brian. It's like, hey, look, the way of doing things, it'll still work, but to a certain degree, right? Right, Like getting out and getting getting belly to belly and face to face and being able to hold someone's hand through the loan process and be at their closing is gonna matter. Yeah. 
but it's only going to matter and you're only going to be able to get there if you have the same tools mm -hmm. that these b2c players have and, and at scale at oh, and, and and at scale yeah. and economical and it has to be free to the consumer so in order for it to be free to the consumer i as a loan officer part of my marketing budget may need to be, hey, I'm gonna spend a hundred bucks a month. I'm gonna spend 200 bucks a month. Right. I'm gonna ask my company to, to take on some kind of an enterprise relationship so that we can have these tools at our disposal. And I'm gonna start my marketing efforts, not when they decide I'm out looking at homes, writing a contract. No, no, no. I wanna get to you nine months or six That's months right. before where I wanna teach you the power of homeownership. I wanna teach you that homeowners are 70 times more wealthy than non-homeowners. And if you, think you want to buy a house, but you're afraid you're not ready. Let's have a conversation yeah. today and you're probably not ready, but that's okay. Cause I have a tool. Yeah, there you go. I have a tool that's going to help you get ready and it's going to help you track it. Right. I yeah. mean, it's, um, I, I love that concept. Here's the best way for, for an originator to think about this. And I, like two months ago, I was doing a presentation and, and one of the guys that was uh, on the other end on a zoom, by the way, <laughs> he's like timeout. So basically your credit karma, mint, Zillow, Rocket Homes, but under my logo. I'm like, yeah, I guess, yeah. We, I guess we are. That's Finlocker. <laughs> That's us. That's Finlocker. Yeah. Now, are you guys playing around at all with um, like the ability for an originator to, to utilize D1C to where like, not only can I take that customer when they think they want to become yeah. a homeowner, but now they've decided. Yes. They have their credit score up to 680. They saved their $15,000, yeah. right? They, they got the raise they needed. They paid down the debt they needed. And... When I go to ask them for things like W-2s and pay stubs and tax returns and bank statements, can I keep everything still in-house and, and utilize some kind of a, a, a service to where I'm like, nah, I don't need it because you're already in the Finlocker system. Right. I can API with Encompass and I can run you through D1C, hope that I can get some income and some asset yeah. uh, uh, waivers. Is that all, yeah, all that correlate? all of that. Yeah, to a degree, okay. I'll kind of, yeah. I'll, I'll tie it together now. So if you think, again, going back to our first time home buyer persona, which is part of our app identifies who you are when you're setting up your profile. So we ask a series of questions as you're, as you're creating the, the app, download the app and you start answering questions and we quickly isolate on a persona. Based on that persona and then goals and objectives that you set in the app on that persona. So if I've been identified as a first time home buyer and I said, I want to buy next spring, next April, 2022, I want to buy a home. So now we have a timeline, we have a horizon of time to work with, and the, the app actually creates a very custom journey for that user that's really dynamic and custom to that person. Okay. Based on that persona of a first time home buyer, the goal of being mortgage ready, buying a home in April. And, and along that journey, we're gonna advise them to do things. If, if early on we know that credit is kind of holding them back, the focus from the app is gonna be on improving credit. So there's gonna be tips, tools, and, and, and insights given to the consumer to help them improve credit. If saving for a down payment is an inhibitor, then that's what we're gonna focus on through the goals uh, widget in the app. But as you progress and get closer to a place where you're likely going to be mortgage ready, we'll start advising the, the consumer to start storing documents oh, wow. in the locker. Okay. Tax returns, pay stubs, and, and, and actually very soon, probably in uh, Q4, in lieu of having to store pay stubs, the consumer can actually just link their payroll right in the app. So like whether it's Alti Pro or whether it's ADP, exactly. then, then I can go into the app, I can give them my username and my, and my password yep. so that those two can interface 
and the documents can be stored on my behalf. Yeah, and it won't even be documents. It's going to be the, the data. The data, okay. And so if you think about... Like, like the work number type data or... Similar but different. Okay, yeah. It's coming right from the, the payroll provider. Okay. And so every other Friday... Oh, so to be more accurate than the work number. Oh, I, I didn't perfect. I said that. I will say that. <laughs> yeah, the people at work number can hate on me all they want, yeah. but yes, there's too often a time that their data is not accurate when I get a W-2 and a pay stub and it ends up being a massive issue in underwriting because underwriting wants to use work number, but the work number is not accurate right. information. So anyhow, won't go down, down that rabbit hole because I know you have a call right after this. Yeah, yeah, I need yeah. to be cognizant of your time and I still have a plethora of questions that I want to get to. So if you just think about uh, data as, uh, as power, empowerment for the consumer, in this app, they're going to be walking around essentially with, with all of their financial data, the asset side of their, their data and now their income and employment. And so at that point of mortgage readiness, now it's time to to, to engage, they, we also have this readiness assessment that perpetually gives the consumer feedback on where they stand with respect to being ready. We have an integration with a automated underwriting engine as well. That's pretty cool. We can go into detail on that later. Um, but once I've achieved readiness and I, and I want to start my application, if I'm already connected to Dustin, he's the one who gave me the locker. That's who's my contact in the locker. We just take them through a process to digitally or, or seamlessly share the, the data from the locker. So we convert it into a Fannie 3, 4, which is for those that are uh, not in the mortgage business, it's that's a, a standard yep. data set. That data set, that Fannie 3, 4 can be ingested into the loan officer's point of sale or LOS and pre-fills the mortgage applications, about 90% of the data needed to pre-fill the mortgage app. Oh, wow. So, and, so you can even start a file, like here at Waterstone Mortgage, the company that I'm affiliated with, we utilize Encompass, right? Yeah. My friends may use Calix or another one of the loan origination softwares, yeah. but I could start a file in FinLocker, yeah. click a button and have that just import into Encompass. That's right. So we're not a point of sale, we're not yep. an LOS, but we provide data that those systems can use to be to pick up the, the process, right? Okay. So your, your customer from the locker would share across the data, all that digital data, it's all real time, and then you ingest it into your LOS and then you take the, 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 the process from there. And then any documents that were stored along the way can be part of that payload as well. So if you if if the consumer, that first time homebuyers truly followed the direction of the app, that first, really that first mortgage application experience when they're engaging with you should be, okay, I just need these last 10 bits of data to complete the, the application. And then you can go to underwriting. Wow. And, and now maybe you get a step or two based on, you know, what the underwriter had for breakfast. But, man, day. you start thinking about the type of market we're in today with it being an extreme seller's market. And, you know, companies have their platinum pre-approval. Yep. But sometimes that platinum pre-approval is cumbersome. And a platinum pre-approval, for anyone who doesn't know that particular lingo, it's basically where you truly take someone's file without property and put it through underwriting. That's right. And an underwriter has signed off on your pre-approval. Now, I will talk to you until I'm blue in the face that as a loan officer, you better be so freaking good at your job. Yeah that you should, every one of your pre-approvals should be quote unquote platinum. That's right. Because you know Fannie, Freddie, FHA, VA, LPA, DU, you know your stuff inside and out better than an underwriter. That's right. But sometimes sellers yep. and sellers agents, they would love to see an actual underwriter's name signed off on that pre-approval. And if you're utilizing technology, it'll allow you to do that three times faster yeah. than if you weren't That's able. Right. Um, so, so in order to be cognizant of our time frame yeah, here, because yeah. you and I could probably sit here just as, <laughs> as mortgage geeks and talk for hours at a time. True or false, the mortgage industry is one of the slowest adapters to technology as compared to all other business 
yeah, entities. True, true, true. Right. And I think anyone who's tuned in this far should know that. Yeah. But true or false, technology is going to turn our oh, world yeah. upside down in just the next three years. Oh, yeah. It's yeah, clearly. I mean, you just again, look at the if you look in the mortgage space at who's spending money to, to get to the consumer and then you look at their underlying business model, it's driven on technology. So you have to if, if you're if you're thinking beyond two years, you know, and you're going to be doing this in 2025 and beyond, you have to embrace technology. You have to have, you know, we'll say tech stack again, but you have to have a, a tech stack that is uh, focused a on the consumer experience. That's more important than your experience. Frankly, you need to focus on the consumer experience because that's who you're competing against. Every conference you and I have been to for the past three years, there's two underlying themes. One is diversity and inclusion, yep. which is required and needed and we must do a better job. That's right. But the second is consumer experience period. End of story. Let me ask you this though, Mr. Technology guy, <laughs> right? Brian's now you've been demoted or promoted to technology. <laughs> You're no longer loan officer. You're no longer executive of the TPO division. Right. Um, do you ever see the role of the loan officer disappearing? No, absolutely not. Why not? There is, there, there's a, I see a segment of consumers that will 100% go to the, to, to tech. And if they can do it all the way through without talking to anybody, they will. And you know, there's a lot of young people that everything they do, that's how they do it. There's, at least 50% of the buyers, especially first time home buyers that need the, the advisor, they just need it. And especially today with, with the gig economy and all the, the side hustles, it's not just cookie cutter salary, you know, get a W2, get it. Yeah. If you, if you're a 780 FICO and you're a salaried employee and you've been on the job for more than two years, yeah, that's cookie cutter. Yeah. But that's not, that's not the business. Well, it's funny. People always ask me that. And my answer, I wanted to hear your answer first. My answer is always no. It'll change. Technology is going to change how we do business. Yeah. It'll make some parts better. Other parts is going to force us to do twice the work in order to make the same money we used to make. But hopefully it made the work half as hard. So we're still working the same amount of hours. Yes. We're just having to do more to make the same money. What I what I love is the and I see these loan officers out there that that understand that that's coming and they're not fighting it. They're no, not embrace it. They're not it. crying about it. it. They're yeah. basically figuring out that they're, they know that they're going to win. Yes. They're going to well, scale. But if look, if, if you can figure out a way to adapt technology, like, look, we're sitting out here, we, we are pimping out Finlocker, right? There's Finicity, there's Blend, there's uh, CRMs that you should yeah. be looking into. Like there are, there's, there's a ton of different technology that you need to be uh, utilizing and some of it in unison. Yes. Right. You like, like, thoughtful. yeah, like you and I were offline talking about like what Finlocker does. I'm like, well, well, do you compete against sales boomerang? You're like, ah, we do a component of what sales boomerang yeah. does, but I wouldn't say we directly compete no, against them. They're and, really good at what they do. Yeah. Well, yeah. What about Finicity? Ah, we have a component of what Finicity yeah. does, but yeah. we don't necessarily, right. right. And sales boomerang and Finicity and Finlocker are all technologies that people need to be embracing Homebot. You're like, yeah, we, yeah. we compete a little bit in what in Homebot space, but again, we don't a hundred percent do. And I'm dropping these names of these companies because if you are in the mortgage space, especially on the sales side, whether you run a branch, run a region, or you're a rookie loan officer just getting started, yeah. you need to be looking yeah. at this. But I always answer the question of is technology going to replace a loan officer? No. I'm like, look, as long as people still get excited, they get sad, they get fearful, they have anxiety. We as loan officers will always be needed right. because technology can't hold someone's hand. They can't show empathy. They, they, they can't speak with sympathy That's right. uh, or talk about real case examples that correlate with what they're experiencing to make them feel better about their situation. 100% right. And then like just yesterday. So 
Full disclosure, I have not originated alone start to finish in two going on three years. I still have a production team. I still manage and coach loan officers. I have branches and regions, but I don't necessarily do the loan start to finish, yeah. but I do like to go on the phone with consumers, like with whether they're refinancing or, or whether they're buying. And I want to do this two to three times a month because it keeps my skills sharp. And quite honestly, I love it. Yeah. Just yesterday, I had a good buddy of mine who I do investments with. You and I were talking about angel investing and VC investing. Uh, Charlie is, um, is, is one of the guys who brings us a lot of our, our opportunities, a lot of our deals. Um, and then he'll set them up and you know take his fee for doing so, et cetera. Yeah. Anyhow, Charlie introduces me to a family member. I talked to the family member. At this point, I'm like, hey, I'm going to help this lady out. Like whether Waterstone does her mortgage or not, I really don't care. Right. I would love to do her mortgage, but that's not the purpose of my call. The purpose of my call is Charlie's my boy. I want to take care of his family member. Yep. Just by talking to her, she was trying to do everything online. Didn't want to talk to yeah. a sales guy or a sales girl. Right. Well, realized that she was refinancing because she was being forced to buy a divorce. Well, technology wouldn't necessarily know to ask her that question. That's technology, right. oh, you're a cash out refinance. Well, Fannie Mae and Freddie Mac have these things called loan level pricing adjustments or pricing hits yeah. when you do a cash out refi. Everyone knows that. You can look it up, Google it. But if it's a cash out refi that's coming from a divorce and I have a divorce decree that states it, I don't have to pay that loan level pricing right. adjustment. So this lady would have taken a higher or been obtained. Yeah. I hate the word taken. She would have obtained a higher interest rate if she just told a computer she had to do a cash out refinance. And that could be... 20 grand over the life of the loan yes. or more. Yes, it's at least 80 bucks a month. Yeah. And this is like a $400,000 right. loan size. Yeah. But by picking up the phone and talking to a mortgage professional and that mortgage professional just started asking the question behind the question. That's and I right. realized, oh, you don't need to do debt consolidation. You're not trying to do home improvements. You're not trying to go uh, pull money out to buy an investment property. Right. Like you're doing this because you have a court order that's forcing you to do so because you're, you're dividing assets in half. Yeah. Oh. I can actually offer you 2.875, not three and a quarter, That's right? Massive. And that example right there is how I would answer why technology will never yep. replace a loan officer, but loan officers who don't embrace technology, they'll be doing something else. You'll be doing something yeah, else. That's yeah. Just the fact. Yeah. Go ahead and hang up your cleats. You're done. <laughs> You're done. You're done. Hopefully you made a shit ton of money last year yeah. and you saved half of it. Right on. And that's going to get you through the next 10, 20 or 30 years. Because if you don't embrace technology, you're, you, you, you won't have a career in this industry. That's right. Yeah. Any parting shots? No, this has been awesome. This is so much fun actually getting face to face, you know, and, and actually seeing people again. It's, it's yes. It's and, like, and we, we, we're we, real. We are here at the lenders one conference. Yeah, it's been cool. Like shout out to, to lenders one. Um, if, if you are a executive, if you run a mortgage company, right, especially a smaller yeah. mortgage company, you should be a member of lenders one. Yeah, there's you so should, much value. You should look into what they bring to the table attend one of their events. Now, th this event isn't necessary for loan officers, no. right? If, if you're a closer, a processor, an underwriter, a loan officer, um, this probably isn't for you. But if you're going to leave that field to go open up your own processing company, yeah. right? Whether it's third party or your own mortgage company, then you should look into something like, like Lenders One. If I want to look into Finlocker, which by the way, I'm pretty confident Waterstone's right looking on. into uh, yeah. Finlock. And if they're not, I'm going to make sure that I talk to Jeff McGinnis and I talk to Lisa Finsky and I talk to Rich Tucker and we're going to make sure we get some phone calls your way because right. I'm intrigued. But if someone was interested in figuring out, I know from talking to you, Brian, that I can be an individual loan officer and I can go into partnership yeah. with Finlocker. I could run my own mortgage company. Yep. 
uh, at all sizes. And I can go into partnership with Finlocker, but what's the best way for someone to check out Finlocker and what you all have to offer? Go to finlocker.com, F-I-N-locker.com. And then on the on our webpage, you can request a demo. We've got a, a demo in there. You can check it out on your own. And then, uh, or just request a meeting. My link's on there. You can connect with me and love having conversations. Love to learn about people's business models and then figuring out if we can help them. And by the way, we're not for everybody. Yes. You, you need to be a forward-thinking company and a forward-thinking originator to really be successful with that product. Cool. And just like I'm Dustin Owen on LinkedIn, he's Brian View on LinkedIn. Remember, it has every vowel in the last name but the O in the Y. Oy. Which, by the way, Y isn't necessarily always a vowel. Sometimes. So, yes, yeah, sometimes it is. But that's why you all left it out. we got to figure out how to get the O in there. Then we get them <laughs> all figured out. But, no, he's Brian View. I'm Dustin Owen. You have tuned into the Loan Officer Podcast. If this is your first time checking us out, Again, whether you're listening to us on Spotify or Apple, do us a favor. Please like, please give us a five-star review, please subscribe, and please forward if you like what we're doing. You might not like to listen to us, you prefer to watch us. If you like to watch us, we are on YouTube at The Loan Officer Podcast. That is the channel, The Loan Officer Podcast. Check us out, subscribe. It's a great place to leave comments as well. And eventually, once John Coleman gets his shit together, <laughs> we are going to have a website. Nice. TLOPOnline.com or theloanofficerpodcast.com. He's Brian. I'm Dustin. That's all the time we have for you today. We will catch you on the next episode. Peace.